All right, so we'll say good morning. Let's begin. So we, today's daf is daf yud. We left off. We left off yesterday on daf tesamid days. So the gemara said the following. The gemara said, "Holid, I'm sorry, Rabbi Shimon ben Asi Omer." So the third line down, Rabbi Shimon ben Asi said, What's an example of something that is bent, something that is crooked, that cannot be fixed? Haba ala erva, one who goes ahead and has relations with someone who is an erva. Holid mimena mamzer, and the person goes ahead and creates a mamzer as a result. Such an individual ultimately adds a muuva shenu yachal liskon. So the gemara says the following. The gemara says, "Holid in la holid lo." Now it makes it sound like the only time that there's a problem with mamzerus is when is when the mice again excuse me there's only problem when it's considered to be something that is crooked that cannot be made straight is only when a mamzer was born meaning when you created a mamzer so the Gemara says is that true Vahatanya we learned Rabbi Shemam Nasi Rabbi Shemam Nasi says Gonev Adam so if a person steals something, the possibility is they can return that which has been stolen. And they have the ability to fix their sin. Gozel Adam, person stole, remember, Geneva and Gazela yesterday. So a person goes ahead and steals something again. With uh, Gozel means they steal it with force. Gozel Adam, person steals. It's possible that they could go ahead and return that which has been stolen and fix and remedy their mistake. If somebody goes ahead and has relations with a married woman and prohibits her to her husband, such a person ultimately is removed from the world and they, they're lost. They're lost. So say, what do you see? Rabbi Yochai, let's finish up. Rabbi Shema Yochai, Rabbi Shema Yochai says, Ain Omer, Bikru Gamal, Bikru Chazir. We'll say again, it's an interesting expression. We don't say that you should examine a camel to see if it's fit to be a carbon. And we don't say you should examine a pig to see if it's fit to be a carbon because those items are obviously precluded and excluded from the area of carbonos. Ella, Bikru Tala. But rather, what we do say is go ahead and check the lamb to see if it's fit to be used for a carbon. I will say, what, what is what is. Roshima Yochai is saying is that Lemaisa, Lemaisa, we only go ahead, we only go ahead and only something that was technically fit, only something that was technically fit from the beginning is examined to see its level of fitness. But something that was never in the parasha of being fit, so what Rabbi Shema Yechai is alluding to is what he said in the Mishnah, that the only thing that could be crooked is what? Is something that was, excuse me, the only thing that could be straight is something that was cr- I'm sorry. The only thing that can become crooked is something that was originally straight. But if it was never originally straight, then it doesn't have the capacity to become crooked. So Gemara says, what's an example of this? This is the Tam Tchacham, ultimately, again, who separated from the ways of the Torah. So Gemara says, Rabbi Huda ben Lakish, Rabbi Huda ben Lakish says, Kol Tam Tchacham Shepirish Min Torah, any Tam Tchacham who separates himself from the Torah, I love Hakasuf Omer, about him the Pasuk says, Ketzipor no dedes min kana, Kain ish no date mim koma. We'll say a very beautiful statement. Rabbi Yehuda ben Lakish says, any time Tchacham that separates from the Torah, about him the Pasuk says, like a bird that wanders away from its nest, so is a man who wanders away from his place. Va'omer, ma'amatsu avoseichem bi'avel ki racha kume alai. And furthermore, the Pasuk says, Akadosh Baruch Hu says, when we distance ourselves from him, what, what, what iniquity, what negative thing have your forefathers found in me that they have chosen to distance themselves from me? So we'll say the point we have is a kasha, because because here, according to this price, the Gemara explains that a mu'uvas shenayucha liskon, something that is crooked that cannot be made straight, is an example of someone who commits adultery. Now, the Gemara of the price over here does not indicate anything about a mamzer, so it sounds like again.
again, it even refers just to the act of adultery itself. Yet our Mishnah seems to indicate that the only crookedness that cannot be made straight is the actual birth of the Mamzer, to which the Gemara says, Lokashya, kan kan ish. The Gemara says, you're right, it depends. If the Mishnah is talking about a case where, where a person has to engage in an act of incest with his single sister, and again, about saying a case like that, the only, so to speak, lasting ramification of that act would be if it produced a mamzer. As opposed to if a person commits adultery, even in the absence of a mamzer, at the end of the day, that forbidden act has ramifications, and that a woman becomes prohibited to her husband. The Baisim, the other possibility is Hava Hava Ish. Both cases, the Mishnah Baisim can be referring to when one has, when one has, when one commits adultry, but though Kasha, it's not a contradiction, Kan Baones, Kan Beratzon, that the Mishnah could be talking about a situation where ultimately, again, a woman was violated. If she was violated again, then she does not become prohibited to her husband. And therefore, the only quote-unquote lasting impact of that act would be, the only crookedness that would not be able to be fixed would be a, if a mamzer was born, versus the bride. So that's talking about, again, a case where it was baratzon. If it was baratzon, if she was a willing partner to this, then the ma'isa, there is a lasting impact of this negative act, namely that she becomes prohibited to her husband. Or both cases could be talking about where she was violated. So the Mishnah could be talking about a case of an Aishas Kohen, or I should say, excuse me, the Bryce is talking about a case of an Aishas Kohen, and therefore, again, even in the absence of a Mamzer being born, if an Aishas Kohen is violated, she becomes prohibited to her husband. However, again, the Mishnah could be talking about a case of an Aishas Yisrael, where in the absence of a Mamzer, she's permitted, she's permitted to her husband afterwards. And there is no crookedness that cannot be straightened. So the Gemara says, ain shalom. So we'll say again, the Gemara quotes over here the Pasik from Zechariah. To he who leaves and comes back, there is no peace. Amarav, we'll say, what does this mean? Or the he goes, he who goes back and forth, there is no peace. Amarav, very interesting Gemara. As soon as a person leaves, as soon as a person leaves, Dvar Halacha, learning Halacha, to go back and learn, Dvar Mikra literally means like Chumish, like Tanakh, a person finds no peace. And I was saying, what does it mean that a person finds no peace? Look at Rashi. In other words, the beauty of learning Halacha is what? That a person knows what to do. If, a, if you don't know Halacha, if you don't know halacha, then you don't know what to do. I mean, I think we do a lot of guesswork, right? We make educated and informed guesses, but the truth is, very often in life, we actually don't know what we're doing simply because we don't know the halachas that govern certain situations. So there's, there's a very fulfilling piece to learning halacha because a person actually doesn't just absorb knowledge, but a person ultimately absorbs knowledge about how to properly live. So if a person goes ahead and stops learning halacha and instead goes to learn Tanakh, it's very interesting, it's very riveting, it's very intriguing, but ultimately it's not going to be as fulfilling as the learning of halacha. A person won't find peace. Ushmuel Amr Shmuel says, Shmuel says this refers to someone who leaves the learning of Talmud to go to learn Mishnah. I will say, when the Gemara, what does the Gemara mean when the Gemara says Talmud? The Gemara says kind of like, well, not obviously in the form that we have, but Talmud was discussions of the Mishnayis. So someone who goes ahead and stops learning Gemara to go back and learn Mishnah will also not feel fulfilled. Why? Because Mishnah is a series of statements 
that are often not fully explained. It's the Gemara, where ultimately, again, one is able to kind of dissect and take apart the different Mishnah statements to understand what they truly mean. So you see the pattern over here is that the Gemara is saying that if you go from almost like a rich, intellectually stimulating, fulfilling Lemaisa Limud to something that is a little bit more, a little bit more technical, a little bit more technical, or perhaps not as immediately Lemaisa, it's not as fulfilling. Interestingly enough, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, Afilu Mishas Lishas. Even if you go from one order of the Talmud, or one Talmud to the other, you also, a person won't have that same level of fulfillment. So it's interesting. According to Rashi, Rashi understands this to mean that if a person stops learning Shas Yerushalmi and starts learning Shas Bavli, Shehu Amok. So the Gemara says that ultimately, again, Shas Yerushalmi is deeper than Shas Bavli. Bless you. And then again, if a person stops learning, bless you, Shas Bavli, to go ahead, excuse me, Shas Yerushalmi, to learn Shas Bavli, they'll also lack a certain level of fulfillment. Okay. I'm sorry? Yerushalmi Dafiomi. Yerushalmi Dafiomi. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if there's such a thing as Yerushalmi Dafiomi, but uh, you could start it up. All right. Opposed to learning Gemara. Yeah, correct. Again, I will say, I want to point out the Gemara is not going ahead and stating halacha lemaisa. The Gemara, is quoting, the Gemara is quoting an opinion over here. So there is this opinion that, look, there's, there's, a, there's another school of thought. The other school of thought says, People learn that which they are interested in. So at the end of the day, it's not, you know, the concept of fulfillment and learning is not an objective statement. It's a very subjective statement. So a person might say, you know what, for some people, so learning halacha just doesn't, we, we, uh, let, me, let me say it this way, everyone has to know halacha. You can't, you can't be properly Jewish without knowing halacha, because otherwise it's like, it's like practicing, you know, uh, law. With, I was going to say without a license, but I think a lot of people do that, no? <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, so, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, there are certain, just like there are certain things that you have to, you have to have training in order to be able to do it. So the truth is you have to know halacha. I mean, we spend our lifetime trying to figure this stuff out. But again, so the Gemara feels over here that that which is lamaisa, that which is practical, and that which actually allows you to live your day-to-day life is the most fulfilling. But on the other hand, very often people don't find it fulfilling, and people find, you know, the other things that perhaps inspire a little bit more, teach them other moral ethical messages a little bit more. So the point is the, the, Gemara, the Gemara advances arguments both ways. Says the Mishnah. I'm sorry? From Shas. From Shas, right. This is Machlokis Rashi and Tosas. So the Mishnah says the following. Heter Nedarim Parachim Ba'avim. I was saying a very interesting Gemara. Literally, Heter Nedarim means the revocation and annulment of vows. Revocation and annulment of vows, parachin ba'avir, literally is suspended in midair. And I have nothing to rely on. I will say, when the Mishnah makes it, what the Mishnah is saying is like this, is that there's virtually nothing written in the Torah about revocation of vows. Now, we'll have, we're going to challenge that in just a little bit. That's what it means when it says parachin ba'avir means there's this whole body of halacha, but yet most of it is in Torah Shabbat, and very little of it is in Torah Shabbat Shabbat. Hilcho Shabbos chagigos v'ami'ilos, harihin kaharim hatluin b'sara. The laws of Shabbos, the laws of Chagiga, and I will say we're assuming right now the laws of Chagiga mean carbon Chagiga. Karba Chagiga, laws of Mi'ila, which means, you know, inappropriate mundane use of consecrated property. These are like mountains that are suspended by a hair. 
What does that mean? Shein mikra muat, because there's very little in Torah Shebechsav, very little, very little in the Torah, in the Pesukim, that discuss it. Vahalochos merubos, and yet there is a voluminous amount of material in Torah Shebechsav that discusses it. Hadinin, so I will say dinin means monetary law, dinin mominus, vahavodos, and sacrificial law. Hataros, vatmeos, vatamos, the laws of Tumantara, vaharayos, and the laws of morality or immorality. Yesh lahen there is much text for which they can be supported, the Hain Guve Torah. And these things really make up the bulk of Torah. So we'll say, so what the Gemara is essentially, the essentially saying is there are certain things, everything's important, but it's interesting that there are certain things that the Torah barely discusses and that we rely heavily on Torah Shabbat. There are certain things that are mentioned, mentioned heavily within Torah Shabbat and are more explicit in the text, says the Gemara Tanya, Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Yesh Lahen Amashi Yismuchu. So we'll say, remember, the first thing the Gemara began with was this statement that Heter Nedarim, the whole idea of revocation and annulment of vows is something, is something that there is virtually nothing written in the Torah about it. So now the Bryce says, Rabbi Eliezer says, what are you talking about? It's written in the Torah, Shene Emar, Kiyafli, Kiyafli. I will say because again the Torah states, we have this lotion of kiafli twice. Right now, kiafli literally means when one articulates, when one ultimately says something. So the Gemara says, why does it say kiafli twice? Shtei two times. Achas Want to teach you that you could articulate a neder to make it binding upon you, and you could articulate another, you could articulate an idea again. Oh, okay, no, no, it's okay. I just, I just, I just didn't know what it was. So the Gemara said the following. So one is to articulate a neder. One is to articulate a neder when you first make it. And one is to try to, remember, in order to have, in order to get out of a neder, you have to be able to articulate certain reasons. Again, either why you would not have made it in the first place or that certain new realities perhaps came to light. So the Gemara's understanding over here that it says, Yafli, articulate, enunciate twice, want to teach you that you get into the neder through your speech and want to teach you that what? That you could exit the neder through your speech as well. Rabbi Yoshua, there is there are psukim upon which we could base the laws of revocation of vows. Because what does the passage say? biapi. That Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, "I have sworn in my anger." Nishpati vichazarti bi. That I have sworn in my anger, and therefore, again, what we infer from that is, we can infer from that is that lemaisa. Because I swore in my anger, I could technically what? I could technically get out of that nether as well. Since it was made in such an emotionally charged state, I could technically get out of it as well. Now, all we're doing now is quoting a whole bunch of opinions that show that the concept of revocation of vows can be found in the Torah. Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak says, this is interesting. That Rabbi say we're in Parshas in, in Parshas Truma. So the Torah discusses that who donated to the Mishkan, call Nedivlibo, any person who had generosity of spirit. So Rashi points out, what do you see from here? That you're only obligated to give as long as you maintain that generosity of spirit. But should that generosity of spirit go by the wayside, then what? You would have the opportunity to get out of your vow. Chananya ben Achi ben Achi Rabbi Yoshua, Chananya the son of the brother of Yoshua says, that revocation of vows has what to rely on. Shin Emar Nishpati va'akhaima Lishmar Mishpat Lishmar Mishpatei Tzidkecha. Literally, I have sworn 
to uphold the Mishpat Eitzitkecha, your statutes of justice. Rashi says, The fact that it says, I swore and I will uphold, indicates to us what? Meaning, it could have just said, Nishpati, I have sworn to uphold the tenets of your righteousness. The fact that it says, I have sworn and will uphold, indicates that what? That under certain circumstances, you could get out of that obligation to uphold. So there's a remiss to the concept of Heter Nedarim. Amar Rav Yehudu, Amar Shmuel. Ihavikas Hasam, Rav Yehudu, the name is Shmuel. If I was there when this discussion was happening, Amri Luhu, I would have said to them, Didi Adifu Midaychu, Mididaychu. I have a proof that is better than all of your proof. Shana Amar, because the Pasuk says, Lo Yachel Dvaro. The Pasuk says, His word shall not become profane. Who? Eino Mechel, I may not profane my word. If I make a nether, but others could go ahead and what? Others can go ahead and profane, so to speak, and revoke my word for me. So I'll say here you just have multiple, multiple, multiple suggestions about the source for heter nidarim from the Torah. So Amarav Rav says, Rav says the truth is all of these proofs can be refuted with the exception of Shmuel's. There's no refutation. So now the Gemara goes, to, goes back and refutes all of them. Because if you go back to Rabbi Eliezer, Remember again, Rabbi Eliezer was the first opinion. Rabbi Eliezer said, um, Kiafli, Kiafli twice. Maybe Kiafli, Kiafli twice teaches us, like Rabbi Huda, who said the name of Tarifon, the Sanyo. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Tarifon, Rabbi Huda said the name of Rabbi Tarifon, Li Olam ein Echamehem Nazir, Shlomit Nazirus, El Lahafla. Well, so listen to this. Rashi brings down an interesting case. So let's say Ruven and Shimon are sitting on the street corner, and Levi's walking down, and they say to themselves like this Ruven says, if Levi, if, if, who did I say? If Levi, right? Levi's the guy's, guy's, guy number three. Levi's walking down the street. So Reuven says, if Levi's a Nazir, I'm a Nazir just like him. Okay? And Shimon says, if Reuven, if Levi's not a Nazir, I'm a Nazir just like him. So, I was like, don't ask why. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? The point is, they're, they're, they're bored. They're sitting on the, uh, they're sitting on the corner, right? You know, so whatever. On the stoop, right? They're sitting on the stoop, right? They're, you know, on the overturned milk crates. And they're, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they're just, you know, so what? So we'll say, so that aloha is, we pass, actually, I should say, Rabbi Tarfon. Rabbi Tarifon says, uh, Rabbi Hudin Tarifon, that that is not a good nether in Zeros, meaning that neither of them are a Nazir. Why? Because Kiafli teaches us that in order to become a Nazir, you must make an explicit articulation. I am a Nazir. Making these two-sided or potential statements does not make you a Nazir. So the point is, that we see that Kiafli is necessary to teach us another Limud. Therefore, it doesn't teach us Heter Nedarin. Okay. Imed Rabbi Yoshua. And if you want to go back to Rabbi Yoshua, remember what Rabbi Yoshua say. Rabbi Yoshua was the opinion who said, Ashanishpati bi api. I have sworn in my anger, which Rabbi Yoshua meant to say, which Rabbi Yoshua interpreted to mean that Lamaisa, if Akhalish Baruch wanted to get out of his oath, so to speak, he could say, I did it in anger, and therefore it's not binding. So the Gemara says, Dilma hachi kamar ba'api nishpati. Or perhaps what God was really saying was, I swear in my anger, and therefore, and therefore, again, I will not retract it. So therefore, it's not a good proof. If we go with the proof of Rabbi Yitzchak, what did Rabbi Yitzchak say? Rabbi Yitzchak said, um, Kol nedivli bo. 
which indicates that again, should a person's generosity begin to wane, that a person would be able to get out of their vow. Perhaps that pasuk is coming to exclude the position of Shmuel. Dumber Shmuel, Gamar Belibo. That Rabbah say even if what if a person decided in their heart that they want to give tzedakah. Rashi says, Shvua o neder o hekdish. Person makes an oath, a vow, or a hekdish. It's not enough to promise in your heart. You have to actively articulate it with your mouth. And perhaps what we learn from this Pasik is what? That perhaps, again, teaches us what Rabbi that even though I did not explicitly articulate my vow, as long as I thought it, as long as I thought it, it is binding. And if we from the from the from the statement of Rabbi of Hananiah, the son of the brother Rabbi Yoshua, remember what, what did Hananiah say? So Hananiah was the one who said, uh, which one was it? Nishpati Vakayema, right? So I'm gonna find that Pasik. Nishpati Vak Nishpati is quoting over here from the Pasik in Tehillim. Nishpati Vaakayema Lishmar Mishpate Sidkacha. How do we know that I could take an oath to go ahead and fulfill it? So I will say this is an interesting discussion by itself about taking an oath to do something that you are already obligated to do. But how do we know that it is permitted to go ahead and take an oath to perform a mitzvah as a way of being mechazik, as a way of ultimately strengthening and bolstering my mitzvah observance? Shenemar, because the Pasuk says, Nishpati va'akayema, lishmar mishpatei tzidkecha. Okay, Ella less So we'll say, therefore, we see that out of all the proofs that we brought, the only one that does not have a pircha, that does not have a refutation. And when we say refutation, the all it's not that we're refuting these; it's that we're saying that all of these psukim are used to teach us other concepts. So because of that, they're simply not available to teach us the concept of heter nedarim. So all of these have quote unquote refutations, except for Shmuel's statement. Ella less So we'll say Shmuel's statement. Shmuel's statement, what was, so again, Shmuel, Shmuel's position was, lo yachel devaro, right? He may not profane his word, but he may not do it, but others may go ahead and release him from his vow. So the Gemara says, This is, I will say, Shmuel's statement is the only one that stands. And so Rava said, Rava said, I'm sorry. This is what people say. We've seen this expression before. One sharp pepper is better than a basket of gourds. You know, so, so apparently the gourds or melons, again, are, are not as sharp. But one sharp pepper has more kick than a whole basket of gourds. Okay, you could use that one. It is, it is a good one. So, right, so, so, so again, so even, even though, again, see so here you have yet all these opinions, but Lamaise, again, it was only Shmuel who was able to advance the proof. Have you hear that one? One sharp pepper is better than a basket of gourds. Okay. You tell your Rebbe that one, I guarantee you. It's extra, 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 he says. So the, the Gemara says the following. The Gemara goes back to Hilcho Shabbos. So, okay, remember? So next, what's the next thing in the Mishnah? So the Mishnah says Hilcho Shabbos is another example of something for which, again, there is very little written in the Torah, in Torah and of a luminous amount in Torah Shabbat. So the Gemara says, what are you talking about? Mikhtiv, Kasvina, Kasivan. The Torah talks about Hilcho Shabbos all the time, right? Torah, Torah, Torah tells us about not doing Malacha on Shabbos. We're talking about some of the specific halachos of Shabbos. For example, hachofer guma b'Shabbos was an interesting case. If somebody digs a hole on Shabbos, ve'in sarach and I only need the dirt. 
I only need the dirt. Rashi says, Chofer Guma, Bone Binyan, who, Vim Eno Tsarach Elo Elo, Litol Esa Afar, Afa Pisha Binyan Bano, Eno Chaim Shabbos. Listen to this, I'll say. So normally, if you dig a pit, you can't dig a pit on Shabbos, because the mice, again, it's actually a form of bone, it's a form of construction. So therefore, again, but what happens if I don't need the pit? I don't need the pit, I need the dirt. So what's the halach in that such a situation? So the halach is on potter. Why am I potter? Because it was the Gemara says, Kiman, Krebi Shimon, Do'amar, Melacha Shenetzricha Lagufa Potter Ale. Because Rabbi Shimon is of the opinion that Tavosa, the only time you are high for doing a malacha is when? Is if you're doing the malacha for the sake of the malacha. But if you're doing the malacha for some other purpose, so for example, again, the malacha of digging a pit is digging a pit. It's because I need the pit. If I'm doing it for the dirt, that's what's called a malacha Shenetzricha Lagufa, a malacha that is not necessary for its primary purpose, and I'm potter, to which the rest is, by the way, I feel the team of Rabbi Huda. The truth is, even Rabbi Huda, who doesn't, who's, who, who normally says that even for a malach Hashem and Tzricha Lagufa, you'd be chayiv, would agree in this case that it's potter. Why? Because hasam metakin hacham akalkel. Because they both say, the act of digging a pit, when you don't need the pit, is what? Is a destructive act on Shabbos, and therefore, Lemaisa, you are potter from any destructive act, only chayef for constructive acts. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, my kaharorin tatluyin b'sara. So, what does it mean when we say the laws of Shabbos are like a what? Are like a mountain suspended by a hair? To which the Gemara answers, Meleches machsheves asra Torah. Because the Pasik says that you are only chayif, excuse me, the Torah says that you're only chayif, the halacha says, you're only chayif for malaches machsheves. Rabbi said, what does malaches machsheves mean? Constructive malacha on Shabbos, and you are not chayif for non constructive malacha on Shabbos. Now, this, of course, is one of the guiding light principles of Hilcho Shabbos, that you are only chayef for sh- on Shabbos from Malacha if you do Malachas Mach Shabbos. It's a guiding light principle. It's a cornerstone. And yet what? And yet what? It's not written in the Torah. Look at Rashi. Malachas Mach Shabbos. Shamach Shava Chashva Bedaito Veniskavila. So both say, first of all, Machsheves, Melechas Machsheves also means that a person has a premeditated das to be able to do something. And again, I both say, this person's intention in the case of the digging of the hole for the dirt, his intention is not for building. And therefore, again, he's exempt. Remez Muat. And I will say this is this is only alluded to in passing in the Torah. The Ilu Malachas Machshavas Bishabas Lokasiva Ella Bamishkarudhsiv. I will say that interesting. Where do we learn the concept of Malachas Machshavas from? That again, that in order for you to be Chayiv in Malach. On Shabbos. It has to be again premeditated and constructive. It doesn't say Malachas Machshavas by Shabbos. Where does it Malachas Machshavas? By the Mishkan. But what? But what? Ulafisha Samach Beparshas Vayakel, Parsha Shabbos, the Parshas Mishkan, on Lemedi Malachas Machshavas Shabbos. But I also remember again, because of the juxtaposition of the Mishkan to Shabbos, we learn out a lot from one the other. So just like we learn out the 39 categories of labor, 39 Malachas, Amtes Malachas, from the Mishkan, we also learn out the concept of Malachas Machshavas from the Mishkan as well. So that's the point the Gemara means when it says it's like a mountain suspended by a hair. You have this incredible amount of Hilcho Shabbos and where is it essentially, what is it all predicated on? It's predicated pretty much on one phrase, Malachas Mach Shabbos, that's what? That's what? That's not even found by Shabbos. It's found by the Mishkan, but it's Xer Shava in Tor that links the two. Chagigos. So the Halachos of Chagigos of Karbanos 
are also, the Gemara says, are also like, like mountains suspended by hair. The Gemara says, what are you talking about? Mikhtav kasivan. That's not true. The laws of Chagigos are written in the Torah. To which the Gemara answers, Lo tzricha lichid amar leira papa la'abaye. As our Papa said, what our Papa said, Abaye, that mimai dahai vechagosim also chagla Hashem zvicha. How do you know that when the Pasuk says vechagosim also chagla Hashem, you shall celebrate it as a chag to Akadish Baruch Hu? Both of you assume that vechagosim refers to what? Refers to carbon chagiga. So you see over here that carbon chagiga is explicitly written explicitly in the Torah. So our Papa said, Abaye, how do you know that vechagosim refers to carbon chagiga? Maybe Dilma chogu chaga ka'amar. Maybe what the Pasuk is saying is what? Is that Lamaisa person should go ahead and person should go ahead and just have a good time. Maybe the halacha is not that I have to bring a chagiga, but the halacha is that I have to celebrate like a yamtiv. If that's the case, again, I will say when ultimately, again, HaKadosh Baruch who says to Paro that he's going to go ahead and celebrate for me in the, in the desert. The Baruch Hu said it's going to be a celebration in the desert. You might think over there that it also doesn't mean karbanos, but perhaps ultimately it means, it means, I'm sorry, it doesn't mean karbanos, it just means a yomtev, like a chagiga, like just a celebration. Maybe you'll say that that is indeed true. Fox, if Swas, again, remember, just, just to keep in mind what we're doing, we, we, what the, when the, the Mishnah said that the laws of chagiga are not written explicitly in the Torah. They're just like a mountain suspended by a hair. The Imara says, that's strange because the Pasuk says, V'chagosim also chag Hashem, which seems to indicate that what? That Lamaisa, that's the carbon chagiga, to which the Gemara now is suggesting that maybe by V'chagosim also chag Hashem just means celebration, does not mean karbanos. The problem just is then when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to, to tell Moshe, to tell Paro, V'yachogoli ba midbar, is that also just talking about a celebration? We assume that that and karbanos. Maybe we'll say it just means a celebration. But we learned Moshe. Moshe said to Paro, you will also give us karbanos. Perhaps this is what the Torah means to say. I want you to go ahead and eat and drink and celebrate before me. The Pasuk says, literally, that the chilev of my chag, the chilev of my chagiga, shall not be left over until morning. If you want to say that chagi just literally means my celebration, so what does that mean? Don't leave over the fats of my celebration until the morning, that can't be. Perhaps is what the Torah means to say, that any chilev that's from Karbanos that is brought during the times of the Yom Tov shall not be left over until the morning. The Gemara says, that can't be. Are you therefore trying to tell me that it's only the fats from Karbanos that are brought during Yom Tov that you can't leave over, but fats from other Karbanos you can't leave over? We know that's not true. The, all the, the Torah says by all Karbanos that the fats can be left over throughout the night until the morning. To which the Gemara says, Dilma imeahu hava amina hahu laase cause of Rahmana. Perhaps if it was just on that from that Pasuk, I would have said the Torah is just coming to teach me that that is an Ase positive commandment. And hi, Lilav, and the other Pasuk is coming to teach me a lava prohibition. And therefore, if I leave over the fats until the morning, I'm in violation of both an Ase positive commandment as well as what? As well as a love. To which the Gemara says, Kos of Krachrina. Therefore, the Torah comes to the ta- therefore the Torah quotes and the Torah states another Pasuk. Below Yolin minabasar ash. 
Therefore, the pasuk says, "You shall not leave over from the meat that you offered in the evening." On, me, on the first day until the morning. Maybe the Torah is coming to teach you that if I leave over the fats, I'm in violation of two laven, two prohibitions, and one positive commandment. Rather, I both say we learn out the Gzeir Sheva on Midbar Midbar. Ksiv Hacha says over here, Midbar. This is where I will say this is by this is by Pesach. It says over here that you shall celebrate for me in the desert. It says over here in the Pasik, he's quoting over here the Pasik from Amos. That you will, um, I'm sorry, the Zvachim and the Mincha, the Zevach, the Karbanos and the Mincha, you will bring close to me in the desert. Malahalon, just like by the Pasik in Amos, Zvachim, Afkan Sotu Vayachoguli Bamidbar, is also what? Is also talking about Karbanos. So both say again. So so far, so what have we just proven? We've just proven first of all, the chag over there is referring to what is referring to karbanos. If the chag over there is referring to karbanos, then what? Then the chagosim also chag lasham is also referring to what? Carbon chagiga. So I'll say if that's the case, then we've just seen that carbon chagiga is discussed explicitly in the text. If that's the case, says the Gemara, then my kaharin umay kaharin hatluim besara. So then, for, for what does it mean when it says that the laws of chagiga are like mountains suspended by a hair? Because remember, interestingly enough, the Gzeir Shava that allows us to interpret the word Chag as referring to Kaben Chagiga is Gzeir Shava based on what? Gzeir Shava based on a Pasuk in Navi. Generally, we don't learn out biblical law from the Navi, we learn it out from the Torah. So the fact that you have at least part of the Limud based on a Pasuk in Navi makes it like mountains that are suspended by a hair. Mi'ilos. The laws of Mi'ilah. The Gemara says, what are you talking about? Mikhtav Kasivan. The Torah discusses the laws of Mi'ilah. The right? Torah discusses it. So why do you say that it's like mountains suspended by a hair? Amrai Barchama, lo It's necessary only for the following which is stated. Hashaliach, well, this is an interesting case. Hashaliach listen to this case. A Shaliach, let's say again, I go ahead and I give my Shaliach Money. I give my shaliach money, and what happens? It ha- it turns out that it's hectish money. I made a mistake. I didn't mean to give him hectish money. I made a mistake. My money has got you know. I have I have two wads of hundred dollar bills. Who doesn't? Right? I, right? And I accidentally took my hegdish wad instead of giving my, my chulin wad. And what happens? I give it to the shaliach. I ask him to go out and to buy me a, whole, uh, a particular item. Go out and buy me something. And what happens? He goes ahead and he does it. So if he follows through on the shlichos, balabayis mal, then I, I, the balabas, I am responsible for the meila, for the misappropriation of hekdish funds. However, again, if the shaliach deviates from his shlichos, right? So if I told him that I want you to buy me I wanted to buy me a new sofa, and he instead buys me a dining room table. He has deviated, it was on sale. He deviates from the shlichus. Then Lemais again, in that case, the shaliach has committed mi'ila. So the Gemara says, so listen to this. Gemara asks, I don't understand. So let's say again, I told the shaliach to go and buy me a sofa. He buys me a sofa with the hektish money. So what's the halacha? I, the balabas, have committed me'ila. But so how could that be? If the shaliach does his shlichos, why am I, why am I committed me'ila? I will say at the end of the day, remember again, who committed the act of me'ila? Who committed the act of me'ila? 
the shaliach, right? I, as much as it's my money and I made the mistake, I didn't commit the act of meila. It's the shaliach who went ahead and actually purchased the item with with hegdish funds. So why is it because of what the shaliach did? The chizechote. This one is a sinner. Obviously, the shaliach doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know that it's hegdish funds. But at the end of the day, he's committed the act of meila. So why should I be responsible for the act that he committed? This is what it means when the Bryce, when the Mishnah says that the laws of Mi'ilah are like mountains suspended by a hair. That there are concepts in the laws of Mi'ilah that are not immediately understandable based on the text, but rather are based on the oral tradition. So, so Dilma Shiny Mi'ilah. Dilma Shiny the, the answer is laws of Mi'ilah. Laws of Mi'ilah, because laws of Shlichos would not allow this. Right? Is in Shlich Ledvaravera. So only the laws of Shlichos would say this doesn't work. The fact that it does work is a din in Shlichos. Is a din in Me'ilah, excuse me. So I'm going to have So what's the question? Maybe Me'ilah is just fundamentally different. Why? Because you have Xer Shavav Chet Chet from Truma. Ma Hasam, I'm going to say, no, it's Xer Shavav to Truma. Ma Hasam Shlichos Adam Kimoso. Afkan shluchos shalad kimosa. I will say maybe this is just uh, this is just an exception. And what's the exception? Just like I will say in the laws of truma. Remember again, if somebody tithes my produce without my, if somebody tithes my produce, they could tithe my produce on my behalf. So just like again, I could have their shlichos by truma. Perhaps there's shlichos by meila as well. Ella Amar, we'll see. Not actually, we'll stop over here. We're gonna pick up. Actually, let's just do one more line. Ela Amar Rav, rather Rav said, Lo Nitzrucha El Lechidisanya. So also remember, we're trying to figure out what is the novelty in the laws of Mi'ilah that makes it like mountains suspended by a hair. Ela Amar Rav, Lo Nitzrucha El Lechidisanya. Niskar Balabayis, Lo Nitzrucha Shtech. Also listen to this. Let's say in the same case as before. I accidentally sent my shaliach with hectish money to purchase the sofa. And I realized afterwards what I did. I realized afterwards what I did. So after he left the door, I can't, after I can't get in touch with him. I realized what, what I did. So what happens? But the shliach doesn't know. So I'll say, what happens? So shliach mal. The shliach has committed me'ila, and I have not committed me'ila. And I will say, now why haven't I committed me'ila? Because essentially at the moment that I realized what just happened, I canceled the shlichos. Now, I could cancel the shlichos without my shliach even knowing. So it turns out that what? That when the shliach spends the money, he's not spending the hegdish money on my behalf. Whose behalf is he? Now, I don't know whose behalf he's doing it, but he's not doing it on my behalf, right? I canceled the shlichos. Therefore, it turns out that the shliach committed me'ila. I, now, so when we say the shliach committed me'ila, obviously, the shliach is not going to be held responsible for that act because he doesn't realize that he's holding me'ila funds. So when it says the shliach ma'a, what it means is the shliach technically committed the act of me'ila. I, the balabas, have not because I I canceled the shlichos. To which the Gemara says, it's interesting, Lashon, shliach anya my kaavid. Right? What did poor shliach anya means? Shliach anya means what? Poor shliach. It's amazing, right? I don't know. I've never seen an expression before. What did the poor shliach do? Why are you making me responsible for, for me'ila? To which the Gemara says, Hainu this is what the Mishnah means when it says that the laws of Mi'ilah are like mountains suspended by a hair. That there are certain concepts in Mi'ilah that, again, ultimately seem to put the, the party who is totally ignorant of the circumstances at, at a disadvantage. Even though Rabbi Saif Christ, we don't hold the Shaliyah culpable for the Mi'ilah, but that's the fascinating idea that here when the Balabas realizes what happened, he can negate the Shlichus, and therefore even the Shaliyah is not acting on his behalf. Therefore, even though we normally have a 
Gzir Shavav Chet Chet for Truma that says what? Does someone who acts on my behalf, that act is Misyach, that act is connected to me, I cancel the Shalichos, therefore it's not my act, and therefore the Shaliach will be high for the Me'ila, I will not be high for the Me'ila. This is what it means when it says that the laws of Me'ila are like mountains suspended by air. So we'll pick up tomorrow with Amar Ravashi. I'm sorry. Uh, 